Good morning. I'm Nathan Lewis, and uh, Pastor Randy is on a trip to Oklahoma to visit his daughter along with his wife, uh, Cindy. And uh, I'm going to be continuing this morning a series that he started a few weeks ago on how the Bible helps us to untangle our uh, our lives, just different different aspects of our lives. Uh, God's Word, the Bible, is the major way that God speaks to us and guides us. And He uses His Word to help us uh, untangle all kinds of things that get tangled up with us in life. Our thoughts, emotions, patterns of living that, that uh, collectively tie us up in knots. And actually what, what they do is they keep us from living a life and having a life that, that God really wants us to have and enjoy. God actually wants us to enjoy life. And He's made life to work in a certain way. And we, if we do things His way, then, then life really goes better. And He has revealed to us in His Word how He, how he made things and how, how things really work in a way that can, can uh, help us to live our lives uh, in, in a way that's good and, and blessed. We've already looked at uh, how God's Word helps us untangle several things. Um, first week, uh, Randy talked about how the Bible helps us untangle our, our lives. Listening to God's Word protects us from deception. Uh, it uncovers reality about ourselves and, and how life works from God's perspective. Then we looked at how the Bible helps us untangle our future. God promises a future of blessing. And those who, who choose to follow Him um, can experience that blessing by claiming the promises of, of the future. We do this by knowing God's Word and actually obeying it. Then we looked at, last week we looked at how, how God helps us untangle our trouble. Uh, to be alive is to have trouble. And there, there's, there's a lot of reward in the midst of trouble in keeping God's Word. One of the benefits, in fact, that the Bible has is that it helps us to minimize trouble that we have to deal with, but also helps us to avoid uh, creating more trouble, particularly by uh, avoiding temptation, not caving into it. Next week, we're going to look at how the Bible helps us untangle decisions. Um, God's Word provides the foundation for the best decisions that that we can make. Uh, today we're going to look at how the Bible helps us untangle relationships. And as you saw in that video, relationships can be um, really tangled up. It's Halloween, and I got to tell you that there's some scary things in that video. Uh, relationships can be can re- can be scary. Actually, relationships can be a slice, literally a slice of heaven on earth. They really can be. Uh, meaning that what is what is true in heaven and what is true about God can be experienced on this earth in relationships with God and with each other. Now, unfortunately, relationships can also be a slice of hell on earth. Um, and the Bible explains to us what the difference is, how, how we can have relationships that are a blessing, but also what what goes wrong and how we can handle how we can handle that. There's a lot of uh, relationships can really get twisted up and tangled up, and there's a lot of a lot of help 
that's offered in the world for relationships. Self-help books. You go into a bookstore and, they, and you look at the self-help section and in psychology and relationships, and, and there, there are uh, uh, rows and rows and rows of, of books that will tell you uh, how to do very specific things in every area of relationships. And some of those are good and some of those are not so good. Uh, magazines, you know, you, you, you're standing, you can just be standing at a line at a store to check out, look over and see the magazines and just the front cover gives you advice. Ten, ten ways to have a perfect man <laughs> or to have a perfect relationship with a woman or whatever else. Uh, you don't even have to pick up the magazine. Radio and TV personalities, uh, Dr. Laura, Dr. Phil, others dispensing advice. Dr. Phil is actually really helpful and practical and a very down-to-earth and gives some good advice. But when you look on his website, and he, has, he has listed the top ten myths of marriage. And one of those myths is there is no right or wrong way to do marriage. I've been married for 35 years and I can tell you there's a wrong way to do marriage. <laughs> and it's interesting because what he's saying is, is that uh, in, in, in his explanation that he says, don't let anybody tell you how to do marriage, what's right or what's wrong. Now what's interesting is he's telling them <laughs> how to do it. So he means in life, except for me. And the, the, the problem is when you look at Scripture, Scripture says there absolutely is a right or wrong way to do it. So there, while, while there's some good advice, uh, there's, uh, it, it's different from what Scripture teaches. Uh, we look to experts, especially uh, psychology, and so, some are more helpful than others, but um, nothing compares. And actually... Let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from as I say this. I have three degrees in psychology, and I've taught psychology and marriage and family counseling for, um, for about 20 years now and have counseled couples for uh, three decades and, and others in, in relationship issues. So, and, and you know, my, my library is filled with these books that I mentioned. I've have a, have a pretty good idea of what's out there in terms of how to have good relationships. But nothing, and I say this with great conviction and confidence, nothing compares with what the Bible tells us about how to have good relationships. Listening to God's Word and doing it leads us to the best relationships that we can have. Well, after all, you stop to think about it, God is the one who made us. He is the one who thought up relationships, and He has revealed to us uh, how, how relationships work. He's given us a manual for that. So He knows best. So that, that really makes sense. So God, God speaks through His Word to show us how to rightly relate to Him and to others. The Bible has a lot to say about relationships. In fact, much of the Bible is about that. 
gives us very he gives us specific commands about how we're to relate to each other. Very specific instruction. Then he gives broader principles for how to relate. And he also tells us exactly what is wrong in relationships, why it's difficult for us to have always good relationships. And when you boil it all down, what it says about how to have good relationships, um, it, it basically teaches that love is the key. Love is the key to our relationship with God and with others. In John 14, 21, um, Jesus is saying to his disciples, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. The beginning of having good relationships is having a right relationship with God, and that is based on love. And the essence of, of loving God is basically doing what he says. We love him that way, and then that allows us to freely love others. But it's a certain kind of love. There's a lot of different kinds of love. In fact, the Bible talks about four different kinds of love. It talks about a, an affectionate love, where, where we, we get close to somebody and there, 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 there's a closeness. Then it talks about a, a, uh, one that's more of a, a friendship kind of love, very close, close friendship. And then a romantic love. But the love that is, and that's the one that we most often associate with love, to love God doesn't mean we, we just have affection for him or friendship for, with him or, or certainly not romance with him. And to love others doesn't mean that either, what we're commanded to do. It is really a fourth kind of love, and that is agape, what the Greek word is agape or agapeo. And this is the kind of love that God loves us with. And it's the kind of love that we are to love God with. It's the kind of love we are to love each other with. And what it means is to sacrifice, to make sacrifices for the sake of someone else. It is to do what is best for them rather than just what is best for us. It's to act in their best interest. Easier said than done. Because to do that requires that we get past ourselves. And we naturally care more about ourselves than we do about anybody else. But we, we are told that to have good relationships, we have to have this kind of love. There's a book that has gained tremendous popularity, particularly in Christian circles in, in recent years, um, that's entitled Love Languages. And there's some really good things in that book. It, it Basically, the idea is that each of us have, kind of like we have different personalities. We have, some are introverts, some are extroverts, that kind of thing. Uh, we have different love personalities, different, different ways that we feel loved. And so, if you want to love somebody, then you understand what their love language is, and that's how you love them. It's a really, it's, it's a good idea, and there's some good things in it. Um, people have been really helped by that, and I've been helped some by it. The problem with it is, in comparing it to the Bible, the Bible only has one love language, and that is agape. 
Everybody is to be loved the same. <laughs> they are to be loved with the agape. That's a higher form of love. Now, agape may lead us to ask, what's the best way I can love this person? But that is the biblical love language. And the essence of agape is this. It is building others up. This is not in your handout, but 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says this. Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know uh, that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians here, and he's, he's, there's a lot of conflict in the, the Corinthian church among the, the Christians. And one of the reasons why there's, there's conflict is because they're trying to one-up each other. They're trying to one-up each other with gifts. They're trying to one-up each other with knowledge about things. And he's saying, if you focus on that, you only build yourself up. The word here, the, the, the translation, in this uh, uh, translation is puffed up. Another translation says, knowledge makes arrogant. We, we use the word, they have a big head. The idea is if we focus on ourselves and trying to promote ourselves and one-up others, we just puff our heads up. We puff ourselves up. And when two people are in a relationship puffing themselves up, then they are working against each other. Love, on the other hand, asks, what do I need to do to build up the other? Not how do they build me up and what builds me up and what promotes me, but how do I build others up? That's a very different kind of love. According to the Bible, our, we do that in two ways. Our words and our actions either build people up or they tear people down. That's basically the only two approaches, approaches to relationships. We, we speak things and we do things that result in tearing people down or we say things and we do things that results in building people up. Love builds up. And it does it in very practical ways. And one of the things that the Bible gives us is a list of how we are to love one another, how we're to treat one another. These are called the one another's. And there are uh, scores of them in the Bible and hundreds of scriptures related to this. I want to give you some, a sample of them right now. Just a list of them and explain them very quickly. As example of how practical the Bible is, one is encourage one another. This means we're, we're to speak to each other in a way that motivates others to do what's right and what is good. So we're to say things within mind. What would, what would really help this person right now or in this situation? What would really help them to do what's right and what's good? Not so I can show that I know it, but what would really help them to do that? Encourage means to give courage to. And people get discouraged and they need to be encouraged. And that, that we are to do that. We are to encourage one another. Another one is bear with one another. Now this, look, this is to look past people's irritating habits and idiosyncrasies. I like this one when it's applied to me. I don't like it when I have to do it with other people. I mean, let, let's face it. We, 
we bug each other. There, there are things that we do, and I have seen this in marriage counseling time and time again, where the, the couple are they're just at each other, and then I start to unravel it and figure out what's going on, and he bites his nails. That's what this is about? Or she doesn't fill the ice tray. That's what this is about? We get, we, we get really, really intense about very small things. And what, what this is saying is we, you can't do that and expect the relationship to be, to be good and healthy over time. We need to overlook things. We, we need to be this way with our neighbors. They paint their house some god-awful color. And we think, why did they do that? And we want to rally everybody together and against them and have them not do that again. Because it's about us. But you know what? It's, it's about, this is about preferences. That's what this bearing with is about. In relationship to God, this is a characteristic of God. In relationship to God, He suffers long. Meaning, He suffers with us. He puts up with our stuff for a very, very long time. And we are not to major on the minors with each other. Uh, submit to one another, that means easily give in to what others legitimately want. But the idea is, don't fight and fight and fight and make people have to work as hard as they possibly can just to be heard. Just to, be, just to say, you know what, you, you might be right here. But give in easily. Forgive one another. Don't stubbornly hold people's offenses against them. Comfort one another. Help people who are in difficult times and hurting by offering emotional support and godly perspective. The idea here is we, we, we support people emotionally, but we also give them the right perspective that will help them make sense out of things, and that is very comforting. Be kind to one another, helping them to in practical ways to accomplish their goals, and then admonish one another. Out of love for people, we see that people are heading, by, by what they're doing, they're headed for a cliff. And we can see that, they can't. Out of love for them, we say, um, let me tell you, I've been married for a long time. I understand this is how things work. And if you keep treating your wife that way, this is what's going to happen. I don't want you to do that. I love you guys. I love you and I love... I don't want you to do that. So out of love, we do this. There are many, many other one another's in Scripture. I have used these in marriage counseling. I've used them in other relationship counseling. And I've asked couples to take this to to really understand them and actually begin practicing them and they will see things turn around. Uh, it's unlike what you find anywhere else. What keeps us from loving people in this way is because we have a mixed bag of motives, and that is deep in our hearts. Our, uh, Jesus said that our words and our actions uh, can can be traced back to what's in our hearts. Eventually, what is in our hearts will come out, and we have selfish motives in our hearts. And that's what keeps us from wanting to build others up. What's in our heart is we want to be built up. What about me? What, what the Bible helps us do is cut right 
to those hidden motives. Hebrews 4.12. This is how the Bible reveals motives. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What it, what it does, the Bible is like a, a scalpel, surgical scalpel, spiritual scalpel. It cuts right through to the core of who we really are, exposes that. Probably a better uh, analogy would be an x-ray machine. You know, we don't always know what is wrong with us. We, there are symptoms. And one of the ways that we know what's wrong with us physically is they take x-rays and they can see that something is broken. They can see that there's a growth there that shouldn't be there. And that's what the Bible does for us personally and for our relationship. It just exposes things that are hidden. Then we can deal with it appropriately. Um, the, what people do with things like love languages, and, and I've had people say this to me. I've done things for them and they will say to me, you know what, nice try, but that's not my love language. That is not how that's to be used. <laughs> you don't take things like that and beat people up with it. Rather, we are, we are with the right motives, you take things like the love language or personality differences or gender differences, those things that make us different, and we say, how can I really understand this person? Agape tells me to understand this person so that I can really do what is best for them. Part of that is understanding what the Bible says they need. It's also just understanding people. I am commanded by Scripture to live with my wife in an understanding way. That means I have to understand her as a woman. I've been working on that for 35 years. I'll let you know. Uh, I have to understand her as a Sicilian Very passionate about things. I have, to, I have to understand her background, understand her personality, all kinds of things. But what motivates me to do that is agape. Not just looking out for my own interests. So if we let our hearts go unchecked, don't let the Bible speak to us, don't let God speak to us through His Word. If we let that go unchecked, then we're, we're going to develop problems in relationships because we're going to approach it selfishly. And, and all kinds of problems will develop. There's two specific problems that I want to look at this morning that the Bible gives us perspective on. God gives perspective we need through His Word to deal with these problems. So there's two common ones. One, the Bible helps us to unravel and deal with conflict. That's one of the things that gets us all tied up. To be in relationship is to have conflict. Where two or more are gathered, there will be conflict. Now, why will there be conflict? Several years ago, um, almost 20 years ago now, uh, during the L.A. riots and some stuff that came out of that. A guy by the name of Rodney King, uh, was, who was part of all of that, and he, he was making a comment that he's known for now. 
he asks this question. Why can't we all just get along? Now, that's a really good question. There's a recognition that we don't just get along. That is a good question. The good news is the Bible answers that question. Specifically, it tells us why we can't just get along. James, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 3. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Or, why can't we all just get along? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask... And do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so, so that you may spend it. You may spend it. You may spend it on your pleasures. <laughs> um, this is, what this is describing is a war zone. It's a war zone. Um, James is wanting them to have that picture in their mind of a war zone. Families can be a war zone where people get damaged, people get hurt, uh, there are casualties in a war zone. People are anxious. In a war zone, anxiety is really high. Uh, Workplaces can be war zones. Relational war zones. Uh, Roommate situations can be relational war zones. And he's saying, why, why does that happen? He describes this war zone And he answers the question, why can't we all just get along? The source of conflict, he says, is is this simple. This This is the beginning of the source of all conflict in all relationships. We want something. We want something. We want something and we are determined to have it. We are determined to have it even to the point of hurting somebody else to get it. Even somebody we love. This is called selfishness. It's also called the 91 freeway. This is lived out every day. Why are, why are we on the freeway? We're headed in a direction and we, we want to get somewhere. We have a goal. We, we want something and we are determined to get it. Now, we cooperate with other people enough because we know we can't get where we want if we don't do that. But then if somebody just absolutely blocks that goal, we, uh, we are now justified in taking them out. Here's, this, here's the sequence. James talks about, here's the sequence. We want something. That's where it starts. So if there's a conflict, you go trace it back to what you want. Ask yourself, what do I want? You're in a conflict, you're in an argument. Ask yourself, what do I want? What, and what am I so determined to have? So it starts with, then something, some, someone else has what I want. And so now I want it. Or I don't like that they don't have it. I get jealous. Or someone, what I want, they can give me. What I want is dependent on them. And they won't give it to me. Then, I, then we develop and employ strategies 
many of them manipulative strategies, so that we can get what we want. And then when we don't get it, we get angry, we get ticked, and then we retaliate. That's what James is saying in this verse. Over time what that does is it erodes like a cancer. It erodes the two things that are critical for healthy relationships. Goodwill. Goodwill means I know that that person has my best interest at at heart. That's goodwill. And it erodes trust. Trust is I believe that they're going to do do right by me. I, I know they are. I trust them. Over time, they are. This, though, erodes it. The solution, he gives us the source, the sequence. The solution here is doing things God's way. Looking to Him to meet your needs as you treat others in love. So, one of the things that means Ephesians 4.26, one of the elements here is we get angry. And we're just we're going to hold on to that anger no matter what. And we're going to milk it. We're just going to feed it. We are going to flame, fan, fan the flames of the fire. We're going, to, we're going to feed it because we're right. This says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Very practical principle here that the Bible gives us. For nipping anger and bitterness in the bud. Don't take it into the next day. Deal with it as much as you possibly can now, which means I'm going to have to humble myself and ask myself, what do I need and what am I willing to do here to get that? And, and, and ask, what is it that they need? What is it they need? And how can I help them with that? A second area that tangles us up in relationship that the Bible helps us with, helps us to establish boundaries that allow for healthy relationships. Here's a a major problem in relationships is this. Taking something on that doesn't belong to us. It's none of our business. It's someone else's area of responsibility. And we do that by worrying about things that we shouldn't worry about. It's not our concern. Husbands do this. Wives do this. Roommates do this. Parents do this. Or we do it by trying to change other people. I could ask right now, but I'm not just metaf- theoretically here. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want you to raise your hand. But I could, rhetorical, thank you, is... How many of you have ever tried to change somebody? And I bet every hand here would go up. And then how many have ever succeeded? Not one hand will go up. <laughs> I mean, good luck at trying to change somebody. But we, that's one of the things we try to do. We are rescuing others from taking responsibility for themselves. It's not our responsibility, it's theirs. See, the, the truth is God has given each of us our own sphere of responsibility, starting with our own lives. And if we, if we step into someone else's territory, uh, that will create conflict. 
Here's the biblical principle. And then I'm going to look at a scripture that talks about this. Here's the biblical principle in relationships. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Now, there's other things that go along with that. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 gives us some practical advice here. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each, each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each will bear his own load. I'm going to summarize this quickly. One, Take responsibility for your own area first. Second, be willing to help others with their areas of responsibility if they really need it. But you look to your own first. Three, lovingly, carefully, considering your own shortcomings, help others when they are trapped in sin. To get out of that for the purpose of restoring them or building them up. We find similar instruction in 2 Corinthians 10, 12-14. We are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but with the measure of the sphere which God has a portion to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as we did not reach to you. We were the first to come to you even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Kind of a tongue twister, a lot there. But here, here's, what it, here's a summary of what it says. Be very clear on your area of responsibility and fill it. Two, it's stupid to compare yourself with others to determine whether or not you are fulfilling your responsibility. Um, don't take credit. This is the third thing. Don't take credit for something that someone else did. Something that you didn't do. So we, we are to create, the Bible tells us practically how to create boundaries of responsibility that help us to avoid very serious conflicts when we step into somebody else's territory. But we're to be willing to help. We're to, willing to bear someone else's uh, burden and to help them fulfill their responsibility for their sake, not to completely take it on. The Bible is very, very practical with regard to relationship. We, we barely scratch the surface here of what the Bible talks about. One of those areas is the one another's. I would really encourage you to get into the one another's in the Bible really get to know them, and actually dare to practice them. It will make a very practical difference in your relationships. We're going to be taking our offering just a little bit, but before we do, here's some next steps that you can take in response to this, to this message. One is to memorize Ephesians 4.26 when you need help in dealing with conflict in relationships, particularly anger. Memorize 2 Corinthians 10.13 when you need help. When you're having trouble with boundaries, you can think about this verse or quote it 
Um, I need to give responsibility what God has given me first. Another thing you can do is to ask God right now to help you adopt His perspective on relationships, which, which really begins with knowing His Word and what it has to say about that. And then this, to, to really experience God's blessing in relationships and to live that out, it really begins by making a commitment to Christ as, as Lord or boss of your life. And that may be something that you, that you want to do this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have revealed to us and just didn't leave it, leave us to ourselves to figure it out. How to have relationships that really do lead to, to a blessing. Father, help us to be honest with ourselves as, we, as, your, as Your Word exposes what our true motives are. We need Your power, because we can't do this on our own, to, to get past ourselves and, and trust You and really to love others. So we ask for that. Uh, we thank You for how You love us, the example that You are to us, how You sacrificed Your life for us and help us to do that for each other. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.